All right. Well, we're here this morning. Let's sing and worship God together. All right, so I'm going to sing, and you all are going to repeat after me. Away the night, 
faithful in the battle, glory in the struggle. My name will let us down, fearless. Your name is power. situation you speak the power to prevail louder than every lie my soul in every fight the truth will chase away the night your name is power over darkness freedom for the captives mercy for the broken and the hopeless in the battle, glory in the struggle, mighty won't let us down, fearless, you need his power, you need his power. When you speak, you scatter darkness, light arrives and heaven opens. Spirit, let us hear it. When you speak, the church awakens. We believe the change is coming. Holy Spirit, let us see it. Your name is power over darkness, freedom for the captives, mercy for the broken and the hopeless. Your name pray with me please heavenly father we're, we're glad to be here today we leave everything for a few moments and worship you in the context of a pandemic and a nation in unrest we come to you for peace a sense of stability and hope so many things are up in the air it scares us to watch the news we're afraid to hug our kids help us father we pray for our nation, for those in charge making decisions. We pray for ourselves, Father. In all these things, we ask for your guidance and wisdom. Be with us now, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, a good morning from Kids Street as well as we're turning around after greeting one another distanced. <laughs> Um, I'll remind you that we are going to try and do Trunks of Fun 2 p.m. on Halloween the 31st. It's a Saturday. So we are collecting candy. Um, you can bring it to the church office. You can put it on the visitor's table. Um, I'll be organizing a bag stuffing party so that we can hand out individually packaged bags of candy at our trunks instead of 
having handfuls and doing all that. So that'll be a little better. Come uh, do a trunk if you can that day at 2 p.m. Come a little early. Uh, park with a parking spot between you and uh, the, the car next to you. Decorate your trunk. Wear a costume. Mask up. Wear gloves, those kind of things. And hopefully we can have something to look forward to that's a little normal and, uh, you know, in these times. So um, we're, we're getting into fall, and I don't know about you, but fall means these things. You guys, you guys know what these are? Yeah? If you're, if you're like my house, you got to have candy corn in fall, right? So, and I didn't put peanuts in your bag because I didn't know about allergies, but, you know, you got to have peanuts with your candy corn, don't you? Yeah. Looking forward to trunks of fun and fall. So um, we're going to use the candy corn to kind of remind us of um, what Jesus does for us. You see the white tip? All right, that reminds us that Jesus washes away our sins. He was perfect and free from sin. And so he offers us forgiveness through his uh, life and death and resurrection. Uh, the orange kind of reminds us of fire, right? So our belief in Jesus and letting him in our lives and walking with him you know, saves us from that eternal fire. And then the yellow at the bottom uh, reminds us of the gold paved streets in heaven so that as we live with him and have him enter our hearts here on earth, that we will also be able to live with him eternally in heaven. So I've got a little um, coloring sheet about candy corn there and then a little baggie of treats for you as well, okay? So you can grab one off the bench. And people that have uh, someone at home, grandkids, you can come up and grab some too, okay? So I'll just leave them there. All right, bow with me. Dear Lord, we, we thank you for your son and the blessings that uh, his life and death and resurrection give us. We, we thank you for your forgiveness uh, we thank you for an eternal life that we have uh, with you through uh, our faith and your goodness, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's continue to stand and worship God together. Your faithfulness, O oh God, you wrestle with the sinner's heart. You lead us by still waters into mercy, and nothing can keep us apart. So
justice, God. You use the weak to lead the strong. You lead us in the song of your salvation. And all your people sing along. So
Thank you, Nate and Brian and others. Open your Bibles with me this morning, if you would, to the book of Micah, chapter 2 and 3. Micah, chapter 2. In the Old Testament, Jonah, Micah, 
Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk. So towards the end, Micah was a prophet in the 700s, about 750, 760 before Jesus, of course. A contemporary of Isaiah and Jeremiah. He was a prophet for many, many decades. So he was that stereotypical old preacher. Micah chapter 2 and chapter 3. Continuing in our series, God's Word, the Path to Life. And today we're talking about justice. Always relevant. I hope it doesn't surprise you, but justice has always been an issue. In other words, people have always been unjust. Powerful people have always abused the less powerful. Seems to be the way it is. And God had something to say about it. Micah chapter 2 and chapter 3. <coughs> As always we pray. Join me please. Father, again, we thank you for your presence today, for the opportunity to worship in this great land. Thank you. We thank you, Father, for our freedoms and privileges in this nation, for the way you've worked in our nation's history, for giving us wise leaders who have written documents that were centuries ahead of their time. Thank you. Father, we thank you for this life we have in Jesus. Forgiveness of sins, of course, and salvation. A promise of hope in this life. Guidance from your spirit and your word. And hope in the life that is to come. Thank you. And Father, we thank you for, in your mind, coming up with the concept of family for us. People who love us and accept us as we are. Who nurture us. And encourage us. And give us a foundation for life. Thank you for family. For people who have played significant roles in our lives. Thank you. Lord in light of all your blessings to us. We ask for mercy and forgiveness. Regardless of your goodness towards us. For some reason we resist you in so many ways. We ask for mercy. And forgiveness. Cleanse us Father as only you can. We pray this morning for guidance and wisdom. We come before you knowing that we are a failed people who need forgiveness. But not only that, we need help. At our best, we stumble and fall. Help us, Father. Give us wisdom and discernment that we might make good choices in this life. We ask for the gift of faith that you would help us to trust you in spite of circumstances. We ask for boldness that we might share our faith with others. People need Jesus. We know that and yet we often keep it to ourselves. We are a nation in trouble, Father. Like so many, we struggle with the pandemic, with economic issues, with troubles of those in leadership, troubles of trust, troubles of racism, Injustices, 
Help us. Help us to see a way to a better life. Help us to work towards those ends. Help us to be willing to make the sacrifices needed to bring a better life, not just for us, but for those around us. As always, be with our soldiers and first responders. Keep them safe. Guide and direct them. Give them self-restraint in difficult situations. We pray that you be with our families. Give them comfort in their losses. Again, Father, help us. Father, we pray knowing that you are gracious and generous. We acknowledge that every good gift is from you. Thank you. Help us as we study your word together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Two little twins got out of the van. It was Thursday morning. This is a child care. Good guys. One has slick back hair. One has crazy hair. Identical twins. I'm not sure how that works out. One of them had a big bag of cereal for breakfast with, in his hand. The other one had a smaller bag of cereal in breakfast. They did a it out themselves. When the one with the small bag saw the one with the big bag, he goes, that's not fair. Mom replied, shut up and get in there. So there we go, the American family. She was just trying to keep it together, and I understand that. She's a good gal. That's not fair. No explanation needed. We understand, don't we? When things aren't fair, we are really sensitive to that. And you don't have to be taught that. When you're very young and you see something that isn't fair, that's not fair, comes out quickly. Whether it be little boys fighting over cereal or little girls fighting over tiaras or adults fighting over privilege, that's not fair is a big deal, isn't it? That's one of the worst things you can say about someone or about a piece of legislation. We hear about it all the time. It's not fair. We are sensitive to that issue. See, the issue of justice, isn't it? Not just fairness, but justice. It's a big deal to us. It's part of being made in the image of God. We understand injustices. We understand fairness. We don't have to be taught much of that. We're very sensitive to it. Today we talk about justice. When we talk about God's word as a path to life, where we can look at scripture and we are taught ways that will give us a good life, not just for us, but for those around us, it won't be long before you start talking about the issues of justice. It has always been a big deal to God. One of those things that gets God fighting mad. Follow along with me, if you would, in Micah chapter 2. I'll read verses 9 through 11. This is the prophet. Micah chapter 2. The women of my people you evict, each one from her pleasant house. From her children you take my splendor forever. Arise and go, for this is no place of rest, because of the uncleanness that brings on destruction, a painful destruction. If a, if a man walking after wind and falsehood had told lies and said, I will speak out to you concerning wine and liquor, he would be spokesman to this people. Chapter 3, verses 9 through 11. Now hear this, heads of the house of Jacob and rulers of the house of Israel who abhor justice. And twist everything that is straight. Who build Zion with bloodshed and Jerusalem with violence and justice. Her leaders pronounce judgment for a bribe. Her priests instruct for a price. 
and are prophets divine for money. Yet they lean on the Lord, saying, Is not the Lord in our midst? Calamity will not come upon us. There's more, more of the same. God is really concerned with this issue of justice, and he stands against those that are unjust. He wants us to understand that this sense of injustice, that people being treated unfairly, is sin. It's not just ethical. It's not just something that's important. It's sin. When you see people being treated unfairly, intentionally, it's sin. When governments, when peoples do things that are unfair to a certain group, it's sin. Justice is this idea, and we're going to talk about this in a little bit. Justice is this crazy notion that everybody deserves the same treatment under the law. What a novel idea, right? We didn't invent that, we as Americans. This is something from the mind of God. People are created in the image of God. Remember the story? Male and female created him. Male and female who created them in the image of God. Because everybody is equal, created in the image of God, the idea that everybody should be treated equally is directly connected to that creation. See, there's that connection again. Everybody is created in the image of God. You can't say that certain people are not in the image of God. You know, this is one of the creative ways that sinful humanity diminishes the value of others. Racist terms are used to diminish the value of others, to make them less than us regardless of who us is. And so we have to understand the biblical teachings here. So God stands against those that are unjust. He calls it sin. Now, in the passages we read, we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about each of these, but he talks about things, and you may not have caught them, so we're going to go back through them again. Look at verse 8, chapter 2, verse 8. Recently, my people have arisen as an enemy. You strip the robe off the garment from unsuspecting passers-by, from those returned from war. Those are immigrants and veterans from wars. In ancient cultures, there were not clear boundaries. So it was hard to know where you were sometimes. And you would be wandering through and traveling and you would encounter a group of people that were different from you. Sometimes it was a language barrier. Sometimes, more often than not, it was just clothing and some cultural traditions. And it was understood that they were travelers. God's will said, you treat people well wasn't talking about necessarily citizenship and all the things we fuss about today. But simply put, you treat people well. In the verse we just read, you strip the robe off the garment from unsuspecting passers-by. In ancient cultures, the traveler, the immigrant, often only had those things that, which they could carry. You've seen pictures today of immigrants doing the same thing. What was happening was the powerful, meaning anybody that had a big stick, was doing this to the immigrant and the traveler. And it was sin. They were doing what was legal. And this is the crazy thing. Micah spoke to a people who understand the game. If you had a bigger stick than the travelers, you could beat them up. And because they weren't related to anybody, no one cared. So if you saw a traveler, someone from another war, someone from another culture, and they had what you wanted, it was legal and acceptable to take what you had. Take what they had if you had the bigger stick. There wasn't any law protecting them. There were words from God, but no one else. So this is one of the things they were doing. They were abusing those that were, well, they were foreigners. They had no family to protect them. They didn't have any connections with the powerful. 
sin. Verse 9, the women I my people you evict, each one from a pleasant house, from her children you take my splendor forever. Widows and single mamas, they were powerless. They had no money. In ancient culture, women didn't even rate. When we talk about citizenship and rights, none of those things applied to women. For women... The only thing you had, hopefully, was a man who would give you a place in culture. Just the way it was, we can fuss about it, it's just the way it was. It's the old patriarchal society. And because of that, women were the most vulnerable people in any culture, in ancient cultures. Just the way it was. So the Bible has this crazy notion that a single woman should be protected. A lot of people don't understand scripture. When you talk about restrictions on human behavior... They are very much pro-woman, not in the sense of modern feminism, but of protecting them because they're vulnerable. Without a man to protect women, they were vulnerable to any man to do anything he wanted. And you know what I'm talking about. And they were doing that. God calls out this sin of abusing the widow and the single mama. Look at verse 11. If a man walking after wind and falsehood had told lies and said, I will speak out to you concerning wine and liquor, he would be a spokesman to these people. This is sarcasm, guys. If a guy's talking like he's brilliant because he knows all about getting drunk, you'd make him a leader. He's attacking them for choosing fools as leaders. Ever imagine anything like that in modern culture? He wasn't attacking necessarily the foolish leaders. That was part of it. But what he was talking about was people who were undiscerning. He considered it sin. If you are undiscerning when you choose leaders, if you don't ask hard questions, if you don't demand answers, if you don't have accountability, then you sin. God expects us as citizens to do something about the leaders we choose. It was very difficult in ancient cultures. Sometimes leaders ended up leaders simply because they were loud and powerful and carried big sticks. But there was a chance sometimes for people to influence those leaders, for sometimes just to ignore those leaders. In ancient cultures, you had power if you had money. You had power if you had some tough sons. You had power if you could collect a group of guys to protect you and beat other people up. Fools ended up in charge because of that. Jesus rejected foolish leaderships, of course. But he also rejected people who followed foolish leaders simply because it was the easy thing to do. God expects us, and we can transfer this idea forward. He expects us to be discerning with our leaders. Now, I wish I could say that was easy. <sighs> Boy, it's so easy to take political pot shots today, isn't it? So I'll tell you one thing I heard on the news this week. Is anybody familiar with uh, Sean Hannity? Anybody? Okay, leader of this conservative movement, or one of the main spokes. I mean, anybody ever heard of Rachel Maddow? Okay, they both made the news this week. Now, some of you, you know who you're listening to. I don't know what you're listening to, but you do. They are the two most prominent spokesmen, one from the left and one from the right, in our nation. Millions of people listen to them every day. The most recent research says that these are the least trustworthy people with a microphone in our culture. And those are the ones that we choose to listen to. So, without choosing which side I can condemn here, if you're getting your news from those people, you're not being very discerning. And I don't mean to be critical towards you. You need to listen to more. 
God condemned people who weren't discerning when they chose their leadership. God asks us, commands us, leads us to be discerning when we listen. I wish I could say it was easy. It's not. One of my constant rages, and Tammy has heard me give this rant for way too many times. It just makes me mad that I have to listen to half a dozen news commentators and read 10 different articles to get the truth on anything because you can't trust almost everything you encounter. But yet God calls us to be discerning, to search for truth. So do that. He wants you to be discerning. One other thing here, verse 9 in chapter 3. Now hear this, heads of the house of Jacob and rulers of the house of Israel who abhor justice and twist everything that is straight. Be careful of those that twist words, who pick and choose facts, who make up facts of their own. You can imagine people doing that, can't you? In ancient cultures, this is what the leadership was doing. They were making up truth when the truth didn't fit your agenda. They were twisting people's words, taking them to court, twisting their words, getting people to testify against them. And they were destroying those that got in their way. And God condemned them for their injustices. See, nothing's changed. Isn't it amazing that a book written 700 years before Jesus speaks to our current day. We live in a world full of injustices because we live in a world of sinful people. God calls us to be discerning. Amazingly enough, this book is a book of judgment. If you would, chapter 3, one verse we didn't read. Look at verse 12. Therefore, on account of you, Zion will be plowed as a field. Jerusalem will become a heap of ruins. And the mountain of the temple will become high places of a forest. This isn't talking about how people are going to plant trees in the future. What's happening is... Jerusalem is going to be plowed under. Assyria was coming on strong. You remember your history. Assyria was this northern nation. They were vicious warriors. And in 722, they destroyed the nation of Israel. I don't mean they gave them a military defeat. They completely destroyed the northern kingdom. Zion is a catch-all term for the Mount Zion, which was in Jerusalem. It meant the city of Jerusalem. It meant the nation of Israel. So Zion meant that they were all going to die. 722 had happened. The ones that didn't die were taken into captivity. And they tilled under the soil and destroyed the buildings that made the northern kingdom in Jerusalem. You see, God was so fed up with the injustices of his own people that he had to destroy their nation. No easy answer here. So the message from Micah for us is be careful who you listen to. Be careful of how you think. God knows you. He knows your heart. Be discerning. I'm not telling you to be Republican or Democrat. I'm telling you God cares about you. God cares about how you think. He wants you to be responsible. He wants you to read and think and ask questions Anyone should make decisions based on faith and the valuing of human life. You see, Micah teaches us that God wants us to work for justice in their land. So on screen, we're going to go through these real quickly. God's people wants us to do something for justice. So if we can go to that next frame, we'll go some of the things he wants us to do. So number one, this is the thing that God wants us to do. Legal fairness and equality. So in Deuteronomy, God wrote this. You shall not distort justice... You shall not be partial. 
You should not take a bribe. So for those in leadership, you got to be fair. You have to be honest. You must not take bribes. Your children must not get bribes. Teaching us how to be good leaders. Let's go to the next screen. No partiality to the rich or the poor. This is one of the hardest ones. This one gave me pause. You shall do no injustice in judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor, nor defer to the great. We all understand how the rich and powerful get favors. We get that. And so we're all very eager to punish the wealthy because the wealthy are the bad people. I mean, that's not true, but that's the, the meme, isn't it? That the bad people are the rich people and the poor people are the good people. And it's just not true. So we're taught here that rich people should be held to a manner of justice and righteousness. And so should the poor. See, we want to punish the rich because we know they're dirty. But we generally have this idea that poor people are always innocent. And that's not true, is it? You see, God says that you've got to be discerning. You've got to think. You can't follow the whims of justice. Now, I think one of the reasons that God had this is because we have a tendency sometimes in a revolutionary mindset to think that the poor people are innocent victims. Sometimes they are. Sometimes they're just as evil as the wealthy. So we've got to be careful. The fact that wealthy people have money and power doesn't mean they're evil. The fact that someone doesn't have any money or poor doesn't mean they're innocent. So we have to apply justice equally. And there's that pesky frame again. Male and female created he them. In the image of God he created them. Rich or poor, we must learn to apply our own laws equally to everybody. On the next frame, we have this idea, care for the helpless and powerless. Cursed is he who distorts the justice to an alien, orphan, and widow. Remember, the only reason that these things made Scripture is because they were already a problem. So in Moses' day, and this is when Deuteronomy is written, about 1200 B.C., it was already an issue, people abusing and disabusing the poor. Because they simply didn't have any power. Money equals power. When you don't have any money, you don't have any power. It's just the way it is. And God knew it. So God teaches his people, you pay attention. And when you see the poor or those without power being abused, you need to step up. One other thing, if we can go to that last screen. Think as God thinks. He who justifies the wicked... And he who condemns the righteous, both of them alike are an abomination to the Lord. So God understands the difference between good and bad. And he calls out the difference between the good and the bad. So what God calls us to do is learn to think like him. In other words, don't let cultural whims distort the way you think. Sometimes we allow our culture to teach us how to think. Maybe it's alright for people who are angry to burn down a city. Maybe it's alright for people who have been treated poorly to shoot a policeman. Maybe it's acceptable for those that have been abused to abuse others. That's not right, is it? That's not clear thinking. That's thinking that's been distorted by political movement and an overactive media. God calls us to think like he thinks. Wealthy that do evil things need to face justice. Impoverished Abused people who do criminal things should face justice also. 
Isn't it interesting that God understood humanity? He understood emotions. He understood the ideas of revolution. He understood the way people would think. And he calls us out to be just people who do things not according to emotion, not according to the heat of the moment, but to what is true and right and brings peace. On screen is one final passage. Read this with me if you would. He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. God calls us to understand that biblical truth is forever. That everybody's created equal. And if you will be a person of God, what you have to learn to do is ignore all the influences in this world. Money, power, political agenda, whims of a culture. And treat people accordingly. Not by the color of their skin. Not by the thickness of their wallet. But by their creation in the image of God. Pretty hard message. And by the way, I planned this six months ago. I didn't know what was going to be going on was going on. It's kind of scary. God calls us to be just people. To fight over those issues of justice. And make sure that people are treated with fairness. Because they're in the image of God. So this week, when you watch the news and all, ask for discernment that God might teach you the truth. in closing prayer. Next week we have a special guest speaker, a leader from the local Young Life group will be here. Also there'll be a, a special announcement about our uh, Christmas program with the shoeboxes, so I encourage you to come and be in prayer for our church. And also, uh, Dave, what do you have to say about our trunks of fun? Yeah, so we'll wear a mask and gloves and pack out bags of kids candy to the kids and we'll do as, as much safe as we can, but let's make this a great ministry. So I encourage you to join. Join us. Andy? Bow with me, please. As we depart, let us hear the message from today. Let us do God's justice. Let us leave everyone and everything better than we found it. In your name we pray. Amen. <laughs>